live from the District of Columbia. You're listening to the Black Fundraisers Podcast, a weekly podcast that celebrates, inspires, and equips black fundraisers to excel and positively impact black communities. With your host, Kia Kroon. Good day, good people. My name is Kia Kroon, and I am the founder and host of the Black Fundraisers Podcast, your weekly podcast that celebrates, inspires, and equips Black fundraisers to positively impact Black communities. As always, I want to thank you for listening. And if this is your first time, I want you to know that you are joining a growing global community of listeners and subscribers. And I appreciate you for it. As I often say, you could be anywhere you want to be in these internet streets. So I do not take it lightly that you decided to tune in. And I sincerely thank you for it. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And don't be shy. Hit me up in my DMs or email me at blackfundraiserspodcast at gmail.com. Good people. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I'm no singer. I have to admit that, but I'm totally here for it. I love the holidays and all that comes with them. And if you're a loyal listener, you know I get my cook on. I get busy in the kitchen now and I've got receipts. So this week I'm preparing my Thanksgiving Day menu. And let's just say it's going to be off the chain. My meal that is. Let me run the menu down because I know you want to know what's on there. I will be preparing my absolute fave, which is collard greens and cornbread. And the sister's going to use some turkey necks because I'm hearing that some of my guests don't eat the swine. You know, I love a good ham hock, but I will not be putting ham hocks in these per my guest preference. So collards, cornbread along with some good old oxtails, some mac and cheese, some candy yams. I'm going to bake up some desserts, one of my illustrious pecan pies, a decadent sweet potato pie. I'm going to do a red velvet New York cheesecake. Likely to do a banana pudding and drum roll turkey wings, because I have no use for a great big old bird. I do not want a whole turkey. And of course, my spectacular French 75 cocktails. So it's about to go down. My guests are in for a real blessing. And I will be praying that the Lord blesses this meal and removes all the calories because me and my waistline ain't got time. Let the church say amen. Oh, enough about food. Let me get into today's episode. Today is all about women of color making moves. And I'm joined by Yolanda F. Johnson, the founder and president of Women of Color in Fundraising and Philanthropy, aka Woke with the long O. Woke is a membership organization that celebrates champions and inspires women of color leading and working in philanthropy and in the nonprofit space. We're talking about women of color 
and the many contributions we have made in past years and will continue to make to benefit the sectors. And before I forget, good people, on Monday, November 16th, Woke is hosting a virtual symposium entitled Uplifting Women of Color and Igniting Allyship. You will want to log on to woc-fp.com for details and to get registered. Yours truly will be moderating a panel discussion entitled Navigating Difficult DEI Conversations with the Board, Donors, and Staff Colleagues. And as you can imagine, I've got lots to say on this topic. So I encourage you to register and to join us. Good people, without further ado, let's get into this episode. Please stand by as I bring Yolanda to the Black Fundraisers podcast stage. Yolanda, I'm so excited you're here on the Black Fundraisers podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. And I know the listeners are excited because I'm going to tell you something, Yolanda. I don't know what anybody else might think. I know that women of color in fundraising and philanthropy is where it's at. Because I'm a woman of color in fundraising and philanthropy, and I think I'm pretty dope. And I think that you're pretty dope, too. And the things that you do are dope. And I just want to lean into that and celebrate like women of color getting the work done that moves communities and will move our country. Amen to that. It's so important. We have such an important role to play. We're all, we've been playing it. Um, it's just, you know, to get more of the, the spotlight that's been deserved to be allowed to flourish. It is a moment in time for the woman of color in this sector. And you know what? I'm going to backtrack and never call it a moment because it should be the norm, but this moment in time is, I think, the catalyst. So I want to start off with something interesting. I'd like for you to tell me and the good people listening a fun and little known fact about yourself. I think that I would say that would be that I have loved loving people through entertaining and food and things like that since I was like seven years old. I love to bring people together. It's one of the reasons I really enjoy events and event fundraising. I love to love people that way. And I just stand in the background and watch everybody network with each other and get to know each other. And remember, oh, I saw you at the other party. I saw you at the last birthday. I saw you in. I love to bring people together. I love to convene people for uh, thought partnership and discussion. I feel like in our country, in our sector, the dialogue has been lost. People don't want to talk to each other or talk about things anymore. So I just love to bring folk together. Yolanda, I'd like for you to tell the good people listening about Women of Color or WOKE, right? It's an acronym, Women of Color. Long O, long O. Long O, long O, WOKE in fundraising and philanthropy. Tell us about your platform and the impetus for founding it. Well, you know, the broader story is that I'm the first black president of Women in Development in New York, and it's more than 40-year history, which is a big diversity milestone. The impetus of Woke, Woke with the Long O, is that I am actually the first black president of Women in Development in New York, which was a big diversity milestone. That organization's more than 40 years old, finally had a black president. And so as part of that, I launched, I co-launched a diversity and inclusion task force. It was a two-year endeavor. 
that really dove deep into why, you know, the WID community was not as diverse as we knew it could be. So it was like, is it a pipeline issue or are they there and just don't come? It was a little of both, but it was more so that women of color needed to see someone who looked like them at the helm to feel included. When we talk about DEI, IED, I mean, there's so many iterations of it. I call it IED. We put the I first, the inclusion first, because you can have all of the diversity in the world if you are not inclusive, then it's all for naught. So I'm doing career roundtables with women of color. It was just something that was on my heart, uh, really to amplify the voices of women of color. And uh, as that task force culminated, uh, we were heading down that, that road to getting it all finished. I just knew that now was the time, even in the middle of a pandemic. And so I just went for it. I sat right here on this couch and I had the idea, I'm a person of faith, it all just came to me and Woke was born. And it was a place and it is a place to build community, to provide opportunities, to network, to really hone skills, to have your voice amplified, to use your own talents. It's become an amazing community. We've got a leadership institute that was highly successful this year. We launched a symposium that we're having again later this year. So the sky was the limit and we just went for it. Our time now. I think that you are spot on when you talk about the diversity challenge. We know that there's a diversity challenge in nonprofits and in the philanthropy sector even. We know that it's a field that the white male voice has dominated in large part, followed by the white female voice. I got into development back in the early 2000s, started my career in Atlanta. I didn't see black advancement fund development officers. There were some black EDs and so on and so forth, but they were primarily founders. Mm -hmm. of their organizations. I know that it, I know why it was important to me to do this kind of work because of my lived experience with poverty and so forth. So I had an intrinsic motivation and an impetus to succeed and go as far as I could go. Had I not had that, I might have been a little bit turned off too by the lack of diversity. So that is very important. Definitely. That lived experience, seeing someone, being able to relate to someone makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, it goes as far as I had someone recently ask me, how do we get more people into the field? How do we help improve the pipeline? I said, actually, it needs to start all the way back at like junior high shadow days. Let all the black and brown youth know that this is a possible career path. It's something that's right there in front of them, that there's a rich history. We stand on the shoulders of giants in the philanthropic sector. This isn't new to us, even though it can seem that way. It can be framed that way sometimes, erroneously. Just start them young. Let's get people into the field and knowing that this is a possibility. Absolutely. Your comments bring to mind something that I'm really passionate about seeing more women of color and even men of color in nonprofit executive leadership in general, development, nonprofit C-suite, right? Exactly. But I want to continue talking about women of color. I believe that we play a really, really important role in nonprofit leadership and the philanthropy sector. And when we talk about 
pushing for more equity, pushing for more inclusion, I'm convinced that it's going to take women of color to do it. My question to you is this. What role do you believe women of color play in these sectors, in fundraising and in philanthropy? We need more of us, right? You're working Definitely. on your EDI initiative. But what role do you think women of color will play, particularly, I'm curious, in changing the paradigm? We're already playing a major role in that because, again, of the lived experience of understanding. You know, I mean, think about it. We are coming from a place of being women and people of color at the same time in the society in which we live right now that still has a long way to go. I think about it really, my mother who would have been 64 years old this year, and we're from the Midwest in Nebraska, reminds me of Juneteenth sometime with even Brown versus Board of Education and just desegregation of schools. When I think that she went to a segregated school for a few years because it took a while for things to really take hold as it trickled out west. So change is going to take time, but we have to keep moving it forward. The dialogue has to continue. And women of color, we have stood as the backbone of so many areas of our society and our time to shine has come and, and continues to be so. When it comes to women of color and historic philanthropy, people can be forgetful that we do have a rich legacy. Women of color and fundraising, you know, it kind of is a little bit of both. And so I think the role we have to play is to bring just this innate emotional intelligence and practical intelligence. We bring the head and the heart and the hand. Women of color are the full package. We understand the nuances of our cultures as women of color, as black women. We understand what it is to be a woman with issues like pay equity, inequity, a lot of the different things that we face, yet we are resilient. And that's why the word radiant is so closely attached to woke. We have a lip gloss called radiant. I'm wearing it. <laughs> we have a leadership institute called radiant. We have a candle that's coming out called radiant because that's the word that comes to mind when I say we shine. And we have to help each other shine. We have to lift as we climb. And we have to shine that spotlight on other people. And my big thing is making seats at the table. So we have just, you know, that nuanced intelligence that grace that just digs deeper into the good work that needs to be done. And we are so resilient and so radiant and we have to support each other. And I believe that we will continue to lead. We're seeing it happen more and more from higher education to the arts, to youth development. We've got women of color at the helm of organizations. Um, and that's just gonna continue to grow and to increase. And, uh, and I can't wait to see it happen. And I'm really glad to be a part of it. I'm excited to see it happen, too, and I agree with you. Women of color bring that mindset and that heart set, and I think that we really are the moral conscious in these sectors, in fundraising, in nonprofit fundraising, and, and even on the philanthropy side of the coin. I think that emotional intelligence and humanizing and disaggregating data and giving face to the communities for which we are serving and have a duty and an obligation to uplift, it's important that we look through that equity lens at all times and vehemently defend and protect 
our communities, our constituents protect their best interests. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to allow you to react to that. You have any additional any additional thoughts about it? Well, I agree wholeheartedly. And on the other side of that point, I want to say that we also, because we are so resilient and radiant and strong, we have had to be at that backbone level of things within our society and our own communities. So I want to offer that now is also an opportunity to be well and to be focused on ourselves in, a, in, in the most healthiest of ways to make sure that our own goals and dreams and aspirations and desires are met, uh, to make sure that we take the time out to care for ourselves and career care and self-care, that we take time to celebrate ourselves and each other. And I think that's what's important right now also is to take a step back. The pandemic's taught us anything. It's prioritizing in life. So to take a step back, to recognize what we bring to the table, to celebrate that and to support each other in that so that we can keep forward and accomplishing and achieving everything that we want to accomplish. That it isn't necessarily always just about what's around us, but now we can give ourselves a look as well because it's the airplane rule, right? Put on your oxygen mask before you help the person next to you. So now we can really be thinking about that a little bit more so that we can uh, have a richer life ourselves so that we can enrich our communities at the same time. I love this. I would like for you to share with the good people listening. How do we plug into the woke community? We welcome everyone to woke. We're so excited. We just had our first anniversary celebration, had a great group of people, our, our inaugural woke awards that we gave to Teresa Younger of the Ms. Foundation, Danielle Means, who's a wonderful, impactful um, Native woman in, in the fundraising space, and Maddie Abilencia. We have so much to offer. We're launching our first giving circle because one of the other things that woke likes to do is uh, dismantle the archetype of philanthropy. So we're getting away to your point earlier from being the affluent white male or female that women of color can come together and that collective philanthropic spirit, even as fundraisers or as philanthropists. You know, so often on the fundraising side of things, we get so caught with a different type of power dynamic of always being the person asking and trying. So now we're going to flip that on its head. And while we are selling at that, we're going to look at our own leadership journey. That's why we launched Radiant. So we're going to be continuing with the Radiant Leadership Institute. The symposium's on November 16th. Visit our website. It's www.woc-fp.com where you can join. We have a great new membership level that offers a lot of fun and interesting new things to, to really hone our skills and, and celebrate women move us forward in our careers. So visit the website. Come to our connections events, our networking events, our programming we have a mentor program, mentor match. We have an executive accountability program called Check-In Chicas so that women who are executives can just have somebody to bounce ideas off of and just somebody for support, you know. You need a mentor. You just need, you're already in the C-suite. You just need somebody to support you while you're in the C-suite. So lots, lots, lots and lots. And then in 2022, if it's safe to do so, we are planning to do something called Woke Around the World where we are going to be in Europe and the UK and across the United States planning events to bring everybody together in person to help continue to build that community. And we can't wait to see everybody. But until then, we have a lot happening in the virtual realm as well. Yeah, that's interesting. A global community. That is really, really fascinating and exciting. So you shared, I mean, it sounds like there's something for everybody. There's coaching, good people, 
if you are in the C-suite and want to coach through or talk through some strategy or maybe ideate Mm -hmm. with some colleagues, there's mentorship, there's leadership and professional development, there's a bastion of membership benefits one can consider and get engaged with woke. It's it's very, very promising. Lots of opportunities to really perfect your craft and your skill as a woman of color in fundraising or philanthropy. So this is good stuff. So we are at the point in our discussion, which I call bonus questions, where we have a little fun <laughs> and get a little personal. You ready? Sure. All right. Because, you know, I'm, I might ask you something now. I'm going <laughs> to ask folks, you know, I'm, I'm nosy. So when I get people on here, I want to get a little You're bit fine. of tea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Yolanda, you are trapped on a remote island. Temporarily. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to leave you hanging out there. Okay. okay thank temporary. You. <laughs> not going to leave you. This excommunicate you from the woke and everybody. So this is temporary. I need to know what are your three must haves? What are those three things that you will Hmm. absolutely need to get through until your rescue boat comes on in? Okay, three things that I'm going to need. And I'm not just like hawking woke stuff, but seriously, my general answer for that is that I need my Bible. Hey, I, I need a nice cool beverage that isn't too sugary, probably some type of flavored water. Okay. I need lip moisture or just something that can be moist. And so I'm going to bring the woke radiant lip gloss with me. <laughs> Good people. I wish you could see it. <laughs> yeah. So those are my three things. But, and, and I've thought of that question in the past, you know, I'm like, what would I need? I need Bible. I need some, some sustenance and I need lip moisture. I know that's right. So you're going to hydrate. <laughs> You gonna moisturize your lips and you gonna pray and study. Yes. <laughs> okay. I know that's right. Listen, I, I'm, a, I'm my Bible is in there, but I might have to have some some dry cracked lips. You know, in exchange know. music. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I can sing. I'm an opera singer, you know. Also, ah, so I can. Just so you can do your own. Phone. Wait a minute, you can do your own devotional at A and B selection. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm a, I I don't even know that I could survive with three things. I can I don't know that I can answer my own question because I got to have that word. I'm used to getting it on my phone now, but I do have a couple of bibles around here. But our sister needs some some music and cuz I'm nobody's singer and <laughs> I might need some lotion. I mean, I could deal with dry and and cracked lips, but I got to make sure these ankles and elbows and Stuff is moisturized. Have to find me an aloe vera. Hope it's an aloe vera plant (laughs) over there. Or have me some some Jergens or Lubriderm or something. I don't know. So, interesting. (laughs) I love that. I love that. You are prepared. One last bonus question for you. What's one thing you've learned through trial and error about fundraising? I know I've made a lot of... Listen... I'm stellar at this thing, but a sister had to learn a few difficult lessons along the way. So I'm curious to hear what one of yours might be. Uh, I think probably one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is around uh, ethics and fundraising. And if a donor's 
persona, if their personal mission doesn't align with that of your organization and the work that you're doing, really think about whether or not you need to accept a gift. Think about who your donors are and who you're really going after and understanding your donor base to make sure that's how you have a well-lived life and career that you don't always have to separate so much when you're really believing in what you're doing and you're talking to donors and people who are truly stakeholders that you don't have to wonder about what they're going to say or do or something else that's going to happen later on. Just making sure that that's aligned so that uh, we all have to survive and thrive. But mission matters and making sure the right people are around matters um, just as much as the money matters. And to not be transactional as a fundraiser to make sure that it really is. I have a quote that I'm known for saying is that fundraisers and people in philanthropy are the beacons of hope and light that illuminate the path to the good work that needs to be done. So we should be proud of that. We're marking the path. We're showing people how to get good work done in the world. So be proud of that and make sure you've got those right people around you, both in the staff and the donor base, um, in order to really get that done. Otherwise, you're just going to have this tumult and twisting and pulling and pretzeling, I call it. It's easier said than done sometimes, but that's something that I've learned to really be cognizant of. I agree with you. And yeah, that ethics, having a funder that we feel good about being in relationship with is very important. That missional fit, trying to force a fit does not work. I've tried it. Mission creep. I've tried it. Doesn't work. You're right. It does lead to a really superficial relationship. I like to be deeply, deeply relational with partners and prospects. So it behooves us to be intentional about these relationships and feel good about them. I think that it lends something to the strength of the partnership. I really think that that's a tie that binds. So really being intentional about those relationships over that transaction is important. And I'm gonna let you in on a secret, good people. You probably already know this, but when there's that really great alignment, even at the ideation phase, and you establish a genuine, authentic relationship, you can even acknowledge with the partner, you know, we're exploring this, we're doing something, we, maybe you're doing something new and you don't necessarily know exactly how it's gonna pan out. I'm super transparent and super authentic. Listen, you know, this is new. This is innovating. We're going to innovate this thing. And we have the best intentions, right? But making sure that that partner, you and that partner are on the same accord is like a key ingredient in that recipe. If it's mm-hmm. not in the recipe, it's going to come out in the final product and it's not going to look and taste that great. Okay, so right. that's my take on that. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, I want to thank you for stopping by the Black Fundraisers podcast and spending some time with us and sharing about woke women of color and fundraising and philanthropy. I'm really excited about the community and the platform. You've done a remarkable, remarkable job. And I want to celebrate you as a black woman for galvanizing and ideating something so masterful in what was really a difficult place and time, you know, a difficult space and time for us, that creativity that you were able to really galvanize. Really proud of you, sis. 
Thank you. It's Super proud been of you. wonderful being here. I appreciate you. I received that those beautiful, encouraging words, and that's what we have to do for each other. So same to you and Amplifying Voices here with Black Fundraisers Podcast. It's been really great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining and good people listening. We'll be right back at you with a great episode next week. It'll be a development shop talk episode. We'll be in the development shop and I'll be discussing individual giving, you know, starting with major gifts. My guest, Amy Eisenstein, has got the tea on that. If you are looking to build an individual giving program from scratch, where are my donors? How do I go about it? We got you. So you won't want to miss next week's episode. And until then, good people, I want to tell everybody, stay tuned, stay down, and keep your head up. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Black Fundraisers Podcast. Like what you're hearing? Subscribe to the Black Fundraisers Podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave a five-star review. Connect with Kia on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter to stay connected.